On the Wake Up Radio presents The Hour. You must remember, the enemy has only images and illusions behind which he hides his true motives. Destroy the image and it will break the enemy. The it that you refer to is a powerful weapon. What is life? The story we tell ourselves. And every story needs a beginning. Your imagined suffering makes you lifelike. Lifelike, but not alive. Pain only exists in the mind. It's always imagined. So what's the difference between my pain and yours? Between you and me? To find a solution to a problem is answer. You already know. My point across, bubble without the flaws, create an army in New York. How we kill off our brothers, slap up our sisters, disrespecting our mothers and abandon our children. We need the family established. Welcome, welcome, welcome to On the Wake Up Radio. This is Cindy Ashby. This is the hour. Sign up for OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Today, 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 we got a guest. Come back. Black Magus. What's up, brother? A beautiful ODA fam. Yes. Oh my gosh. So we had the most lit conversation <laughs> last time we did an interview. And we're gonna finish it. We're gonna try to. <laughs> we're definitely gonna try to. Um so I think like the next the next thing we talked about. Hey, we talked about a lot of stuff like race and just just the way the world is and what's different and about who you are and everything like that. Um, why don't you tell them where to find you before we start? All right. So you can, uh, you can find me, of course, on OTW tube under black Magus. Um, I also have Instagram, uh, black Magus, which is just B L K M A G U S. That's on all of the platforms, by the way. Um, I also am on Twitch, and I I do have a, a Twitter account, but the, it's King Black Magus on there. But I, I'm rarely ever on on Twitter. Um, but you can find me on there as well. So now, my next question for you, right after telling us, taking us on a journey through your life and how you grew up and uh, the ward, right? It was a uh, you. Were, in the ward, right? It's called the ward. Yes, yes, the wards. Uh, you know, um, wards are basically, I guess, like when you think of a ward, think of like, uh, think of like New York and like the housing complexes that they have and things of that nature. Um, and you know, the wards are just made up of a bunch of different projects. Um, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much the best way to explain it. They're just made up of a bunch of different projects. So the tenth ward is the uh, the St. Thomas projects. Okay, now I think we last left off. I wanted to know what's the legacy you wanted to leave behind. Mm, that's a that's a tough one. Um, as I was growing up, um, I used to think that if I could just if I could just imprint. In, in, in an image on the, on the people and just, you know, leave them with, with laughter and happiness and smiles, um, to just be remembered, you know, that would be good enough for me. Um, but as I've matured and things of that nature, um, 
I guess what I really would want to be able to leave behind um, is just, man, empowerment, um, courage, strength. Um, you know, it's the reason why whenever um, I go to share my experiences and things with people, you know, I always tell my own story because, you know, having lived life and experienced things is the greatest teacher ever. So I want to be able to impart that wisdom onto people so that, you know, um, they don't fall for some of the same traps and things of that nature that I fell for or that people, you know, before me have, have fallen for. So I just want to be able to impart that wisdom, um, you know, be able to, to, I guess you would say, have that paved road always accessible so that people will know, you know, the right way to go when they get to the fork in the road. Now, who inspires you? Woo. <laughs> um, so, well, personally, I guess you would say first, the person who inspires me the most, really, um, that would be Irritated Genie of Southeast. Um, again, uh, I grew up in, in, in a city where there was a photo op, so I always grew up around seeing famous people, so I never really cared about, you know, ever meeting anyone um, who supposedly was an important person and things of that nature. Uh, there's so many times I've seen stars that, you know, it's sickening. Um, but when I came across Irritated Genie, you know, it took me years just to build up courage to call this man's radio program. And then it took me even more years to, to build up the courage to even, you know, go out to see him in uh, in D.C. Um, but afterwards, you know, getting the Noda brother and the, um, the program and everything that he's doing and how it's in, how it's influenced me and how it's bettered my way of life. Um, he has been the greatest uh, inspiration to me and my family um, and, and, and those around him, of course. Um, I mean, and the, the, the brothers, uh, the United Front um, artists, uh, they're a, a music group out of um, parts of New York. Um, New Jersey. Um, I can't remember where the other brother, University Ave, is, is from specifically, but they they do African interruption music. Uh, that's actually what the opening track um, that you played was from. Um, Food for Thought um, from that uh, from that group of artists. Um, so I guess really just anybody who who's currently and this time doing race work are the people who influence me, but Irritated Genie, of course, is the one who influences me the most. Now, who in your life has been supportive? Out of all the things that you've done, wanted to do, who's been supportive? Who's been there for you? <laughs> Hands down, my wife. Um, and it was never always that way. Because um, when, I, when I started down this path back in the... 2013, 2014, um, we were at, I won't say we were at a crisis in our marriage, but we were in a, you know, in a rough spot. And I was moving towards a African-centered, um, African-centered way of, way of life. And my wife was still, 
you know, on, on the Christian bandwagon, <laughs> I guess I would, I would classify it. And, you know, it got to the point where it seemed like me and my wife might go separate ways. And I said to myself, I don't want that to happen because, um, no way in the world were we brought together to create life just for things to, to go separate ways because of our, our points of views. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be the change. I'm going to just be positive all the way around. And she's going to see that and she's going to want to be a part of it. And, and sure enough, um, as time went on, you know, she started, she started seeing the things I was talking about. Um, cause it, it, it was hard just being able to, you know, do some of the things that I tried to do in the community with, with, with nobody backing me, you know, nobody, not even my wife at the time. Um, but like I said, as, as things went along, uh, she started seeing and started understanding that. And definitely, you know, she, she is, she is that, 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 that support system for me, uh, more than any, than anyone else. Um, without her, I, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. That's kudos. That's extra brownie points when she hears this. That's what's up. Hey. <laughs> now, not to be confused with who inspires you, but who motivates you? I've always been a self-motivator. Um, and, and, and literally, that's that's it. Um, it's always been myself because I've always told myself that. Um, and, and I guess that's just because that's the way my father raised me. Um, to not really depend on others. And if you want to get something done, you just got to get up and, and, and do it yourself. Um, so that's still the mentality that I kind of have is, you know, why wait for someone to do something for you? Just just go get it. <laughs> do it yourself, you know. Um, waiting around for others to give you a helping hand in anything, you don't know how long you'll be waiting for those people. Even Even, even when it comes to people who we know we can depend on, for things, you know, you have to expect that person to then put on hold whatever they have going on to be able to help you. And you never know, you know, that person might have something happen with their family or, you know, anything can happen that'll cause that person to either not show up or be late or something like that. So, you know, why depend on someone to help you to do something when you can just motivate yourself to, to, to just do it, you know? That's always been the mentality that I've had. So I've always been my greatest motivator. Well, I do want to go back before I go on to another question, because we had a conversation afterwards. We did the show last time, and we talked about your dad. And I just wanted mm-hmm. you to put that in the universe, what you said about your dad, which was absolutely loving and amazing. My relationship with my father was a very rocky one. Um, because of his, uh, his, his use of crack, um, I can remember the early, earlier days when, you know, my father, again, he, I watched him, you know, self-motivated, um, whether it was, you know, just because of, of, of having a family that, you know, he had to provide for. I mean, of course, family is always, um, a, a motivation, a, a motivative force for you. Um, but I remember just going out with my father back when I was like four or five years old, um, just him hustling 
picking up pallet boards, bringing them to uh, to, to shops and things of that nature to get money. Um, man, I, I can remember so much, so much good, but sometimes it gets overclouded by so much of the of the wrong and the bad that was done. Um, but I always did did my best to try to keep a mature mentality towards my father as I as I got older because when you know I, I really don't like talking about this that much um, but it, it, it's it's something that does need to be talked about because for some reason uh, I'm starting to see people think it's a rite of passage that sons have to grow up to fight their fathers and, and like no that's not right like <laughs> Like yes, a father can can you know train his son or you know roughhouse with him, um, do hand to hand combat sports things of that nature, spar with him and things. But full on self survival fighting, like that's toxic as hell. And I got to that point with my father when I was uh, twelve years old. Um, you know, me and my little sister we were arguing one day and she just up and lied and said that I did something that I didn't do and my father just turned around and looked at me with this this fire in his eyes like you did what and I was like no I didn't and he didn't he didn't bat an eye or nothing like that like he just went straight for the punch to the chest and I was just like yo that's it I'm not having this shit no more and we just got into a full fisticuffs fight you know um, and ever since then, I always made sure I stood up for myself against my father because there was a lot of times just growing up that, um, you know, the physical abuse and things of that nature, it, it, it wasn't pretty. Um, and I was just tired. I was I was done. I wasn't going to have it anymore. Um, when my mother and father finally separated when I was, I think, 15, 16, at that point, my mom was always working. Um, she was working overnight. So, hell, I was standing out in the streets doing me, um, doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't have a relationship with my father anymore after that. I would see him around the streets. Um, I, sometimes I think he was actually following me, to be honest with you. But I got to a point where I was kind of proud of him because the entire time, you know, growing up after... Um, after he got shot in the stomach, you know, it's kind of like that's when he fell into using crack. Um, I kind of, best way I, I, I could describe it is once they got separated, he got his life together and he started working. Like my father didn't work <laughs> anymore by the, by the time I was like six, seven years old when he got shot. He didn't work anymore. My, my mom did all of the, uh, did all of the work providing everything my father was just a stay-at-home parent and growing up of course i'd seen that as a bad thing and i thought to myself yo like a man is supposed to work he's supposed to be at home and i still believe that to this day but i can appreciate the fact that i had my father in my life and i had that 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 structure of, of a mother and a father um someone to to show me the way to do things so when he got his life together. I was proud of him, but I didn't want to speak to him because I was just like, you know, I'm going to take 
what I felt was the mature route and just let him let him live his life. I was going to live my life. And, you know, whenever our paths cross again, then, then they will. And in 2005, after Hurricane Katrina, we all relocated to Arlington, Texas. And uh, my grandmother was living with us at the time. Uh, my grandmother being his mother was living with us and he was also there, but he wasn't in the same home with us. He, he had an apartment somewhere. Um, and I, I still didn't want to see him. I still didn't want to talk to him though. I did, you know, get to hear his story and things of that nature of how, you know, he sat, he stayed behind to help save some lives of some people. And, you know, to me that even, that even made me more happy because <laughs> he actually didn't live too far from where I lived at. And I did the same thing that he did, was save lives while we were there. Uh, so that was kind of symbolic to me. Um, so when I got married when I, while I was in the Army, um, and when I started traveling back home to uh, to New Orleans, the first thing I did was ran, ran to my father and introduced my wife and started working on, you know, a new relationship with my father. And I mean, up until up until his passing, you know, we, we we were good. We were tight. I loved my father. Um, I still had I still had a little bit of regret and things in, in my heart and and things I just couldn't forgive. But when you see someone on their deathbed and they're giving you their life story, you can hear what 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 tore them up, what what made them a messed up in, individual. And man, just seeing all of that, oh, I wasn't even crying for the fact that my father was on his bed. I was crying because of the horrors that my father went through, um, the, the, the molestation by his stepfather, um, beatings, uh, all just all kinds of heinous acts that were done to him that I also slightly remember him almost doing to me, um, and not molestation, but he, I guess because of the molestation that was done to him, he wanted to make sure I didn't grow up or none of his sons grew up to be gay. So he would try to introduce, um, introduce us to, to pornography, uh, you know, men and to show us men and women having sex and things of that nature. Um, and I was disgusted by it. Um, but he wanted to, he wanted to imprint that on us to make sure that we didn't grow up to be gay. Like he was the, the, the traumas that were done to him. He wanted to make sure they weren't done to us. But again, because he was dealing with a trauma that he never healed from, <laughs> he was using an incorrect way of trying to get us to not be that way. You know? Um, so, so yeah, it, it's just, it's a very complicated, um, story. But I mean, that's the best that I can describe it. Well, here's the thing, right? And I, I one of the things that I've noticed, right? Because my my dad, he was on crack. Yeah, he got off. You can't mm -hmm. tell me nothing mm -hmm. bad about my daddy. Do you get what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, half of you is your dad. Why do you think you're so yep. good and you're so kind? Do you get what I'm saying? Don't. Mm -hmm. like I tell people all the time when people get on drugs. It's because they're going through emotional traumas they're trying to escape. This is why people drink. This is why people get high. Because we're trying to just 
throw that in the back of our minds. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to live in the past anymore. We're trying to escape, but not forward. We're like stagnant. And then a lot of times we have to stop and think to ourselves. You know, uh, I remember a friend, his mother used to do heroin in Harlem. And he was like, I was buying my mother's heroin at eight years old. Because that's only when she was, that's when she was happy. But I don't know what trauma she went through. That she needed to be high all the goddamn time. And then later on he told me his mother had got HIV. Not because his mother was in the streets. Because her brother did heroin and he was in the streets. And when he came with that dirty needle, that's how his mom got it. But his mother was never in the streets getting high. She was in the house getting high. You know, trying to escape that moment. But he just said, my mother was a happy woman. But it was something holding on to her that made her just want to just not be here. Do you get what I'm saying? So a lot of times we have to say to ourselves, right, because we have children now, right? What are we going to do different, right? God forbid you're in the same position with your son. You don't get along with what your son is saying. He doesn't get along. You wouldn't want him not to talk to you. That's that moment, right? So it's like when you're saying he's on his deathbed, he's he's telling you his story, and it's almost one of those, why didn't you tell me before? Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Tell me oh, before. Man. Yes. And then that bond yes. would be closer. Let me, and that's, that's something like, I just tried having this conversation with my, you know, with my siblings and my, and my mother uh, a few weeks ago. And my mother used the line that she used once before. Some things are just so hurtful and so bothering that it hurts to bring it up. And I'm like, yo, but how do you expect to heal from it, do you think people go to see psychiatrists or uh, psychologists for nothing? Like, yo, you have to get through that. You have to be able to heal from it, and that and that's that's what we see from the generation, you know, um, the baby boomer generation, right? Like, I guess you would say that the quote unquote children, at least in my opinion, they are the children of integration because they were the ones who grew up, you know, being the first to go into integrated schools and things, uh, things of that sort. Um, they grew up thinking that the only way they could heal is to go to church. And that's why we see to this day that still the biggest population of our people who go to church are our parents. Yes, some some of their children still have carried on that mentality, but it's really them. And you see how they still go to church to this day, but uh, but they do the same thing that our generation do, does, where it's like, you know, I'm going to shake my ass Monday till Sunday, 4 a.m. at the club. Then I'm going to drag my ass into the church at 8 a.m., and pray and, and, and ask for forgiveness for everything that I've done because, hey, that's that's all they say is that I got to believe. And it's like, no, that does not absolve you of any of the wrongs that you've done. Also, it is not healing you. you you're not getting healing. You know, you, you're going there and you're getting something, but it, it's not healing. And, you know, we have to get to this point where our people have to realize that we got to start telling our stories. Like, 
if not to our own loved ones, then, then, then get a professional, get, get some actual help because you've been going to this church for how many years and you still not healed. You still can't talk about your past. Like we had this conversation with my grandmother. My grandmother died. Um, what is it? Uh, January 28th of 2020, like, uh, I think it was the same day as, as Kobe or, or the day before Kobe Bryant died. Um, and before she died, you know, we were asking her these same kinds of questions, but we had been asking her these questions for years um, because we never really knew who our paternal um, grandfather was. It is a lot of like just a, a mystery of a story that lies hidden on her side that we just don't know about. And towards, you know, her just, I mean, she really just gave up because um, she was doing dialysis and things of that nature. Um, and she, my grandmother had one, two, three, four, five, six. My grandmother had six, seven children buried all except for two like she was living with a lot of pain in our own heart and when we asked her for you know just a little bit of knowledge of our past she said that's my business and i'm taking it with me to the grave so that just cuts off an entire well of history for me that I have no connection to because of that. And it's because, again, it's too hurtful for her to have wanted to talk about. And we see that a lot from our elders, from our parents. Like, they just say that, you know, things are too hurtful for them to talk about, but how do you expect your children to know their history and where they come from if you don't share your own history with us? So these are not the same mistakes we're going to make. This is something that we all have to change across the line as far as speaking the things that we've gone through. How else, like you said, for us to learn? I just wanted to give a little fun fact. Joe Osteen in 2017 raked in $78.7 million in contributions. It was a $90.6 million budget, and they had a $59 million dollar in net assets at the end of the year that was in 2017 that's what churches bring in mm. and, and, it, and, 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 say, and say who it was again though because you didn't say you notice you didn't say td jakes you don't say the black pastor no no that's Even joe that's joe mr money and the money behind the walls okay mm-hmm. money in the bathroom stalls and ain't that something? So what have they done for our community? How are you bringing in this amount of money? This is not even money. This is like, this is like throw up, okay? You're bringing in this amount. How are people not able to keep their lights on? How are people having foreclosure? How are people, you know what I'm saying? I think that's the thing. A lot of people got to a point where they were so dedicated to church. Whatever you believe in, you believe in. That's your business, right? But so dedicated Mm -hmm. that when a problem arise and they went to the pastor or they went to the deacon, they were basically told, nah, go get you a loan. 
I've been coming to this church for 15 years, paying my tithes and offerings. I'm telling you, they're about to cut my lights off. My kids can't eat. And you tell me, go get a loan? Where's, where's, where's the Christian love in that? It comes to a point where you kind of go, now it's like no good deed goes unpunished. Like, do you want to be punished? Now, don't get it twisted. I do know of maybe one or two churches where people did say when things were messed up, the church would help. They would fund together. They would get clothes and food and all that stuff. There are little churches out there doing that. But for the majority, this shit right here, excuse my language. This is a business, a tax-free business at that. <laughs> it is It is. It is ironic that you would bring up the it is a business line, right? Um, so my, and, 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 and to try to not make this a long story, um, my my wife used to work at the Potter's House of Denver here, um, which of course is a uh, is another one of TD Jakes's church. I'm not going to get into a long history of how that was stolen and things of that nature. Um, but when she started working there, like you know, she was she was always like, "Yeah, this, this is the church. This is the church that I go to." But when she started working there. She sat in on one of the staff meetings, right? And here comes uh, here comes the pastor, and he's he got like a, 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 a mean look on his face. He's slamming stuff down on the table, and just straight goes out and says, "This is a business, and we need to get bodies in." And she said, right then and there, she was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" <laughs> she was opened up. She she was awakened to the business side of church and what and what they talk about in their in their in their meetings, you know. And it, and it, that's all it's about. How can we get more parishioners here so we can get more money? <laughs> because that's that's what they that's what they are after. And I mean, and this guy dude was a straight creep, <laughs> straight creep. Because eventually, I mean. When he got up out of the church because of the scandal that was going on between him and his mistress and his wife finally got tired of of dealing with, um, he sold the house that the church was paying for, didn't give her her half of it. He kept it all for himself. <laughs> like, that's all these people are all about. <laughs> so he started partitioning the land to sell it to developers to get the money. That's all these people are about. They're not, they're the saviors. And I'm not going to say all of them. Again, just like you just said, I'm not going to say that it's all of them. But it's kind of hard to find the ones who are, who are true, in my opinion. Yeah, they're after that FBI money, that state basic initiative money that George Bush signed in the, he signed, what was that, like? 2000 or 2001 he signed that into law the, the uh, faith-based initiative money that as long as you know churches were quote-unquote saving the souls of people then they could get that that tax free <laughs> and get money on the side for it that's insane i was looking up uh td jakes td jakes uh annual salary is one million a year 
Uh, Creflo Dollar, his net worth is $27 million. Uh, he makes $4.54 million every year. Every month he gets about $378,000. Every week he makes about $87,000. And per day he makes $12,000. He makes $518 an hour. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. hello, people. Who who uh, why who are your leaders, right? I'm gonna say it like that. Who are your leaders, and why don't they care about you? Well, you know, how can you sit there and preach this good book written by a man? How can you <laughs> this good book and then still turn around and go, I'm gonna follow him? Yes, he has the biggest house. He has twenty planes. He has all this. I can barely, I can barely feed my family, but yet. Here I am. It, it's it's almost like a, a masochistic, sadist type of relationship. You know, the sadist whips you and the masochist it, takes the whipping. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like, it really hasn't changed that much from slavery, right? Because that's the way it began. Hey, you, you know what's sad? You know what's sad about that, though? I, I can't remember who, who this guest speaker was. This was a long time ago. I, I don't even think this was on... Uh, on the Street Black Pride um, network. I think this was under Genie's first network he had um, under his War on the Horizon uh, broadcast where he had some, he had a guest who was talking about religion and talking about how there's no way that any black person can go to seminary school and not know the truth of who we are and where we come from because they teach that to them in order to get them to be able to tailor the word for their own benefit. And so when that was said, I spoke to my father-in-law who, who, who's a uh, ordained pastor. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go straight at him with some of the questions. I just asked him about some of the things that he learned in seminary school and, you know, like the principles of my and things of that, things of that nature, like where the, where the Bible, you know, the Christian Bible comes from. And, just as I had heard this guest say, was the same things I heard coming out of my father-in-law's mouth. And I was like, so how do you take the truth and then misconstrue it to tell lies to people and you think that you're doing what's right, what's good? Like, that makes no sense. That is, that is asinine. Like, you are out here, you're fleecing the people. Just, you're fleecing the people. That's it. You're making them feel good, and they're giving you, and they're giving you the, the, the money. Like, how many times we gonna we gonna pay for the for the church roof? How, how many roof funds are we gonna fund. have? The building fund. The damn thing is hanging on by a damn nail. <laughs> so they, they 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 these pastors they know the truth, but. The truth don't don't put money in their pocket. That's what we something we spoke about last week is that race work don't put no money in your pocket. <laughs> and these these folk rather they 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 rather be filthy rich than to be righteous and broke. Uh, well, let me say this now. Now, do you feel like because now I'm gonna take it there, just like the way the church is, right? Don't you feel mm -hmm. like the conscious community has a hint of that? I don't know if you've ever seen uh, some of these people that come up and start talking. And they're, like, talking, but on the low, they was a pimp in a past life. Or, do you get what I'm saying? It's like, you hit me with the cash app. Like, 
it feels the same thing except for now it's not in that religion it's another kind of like um dogma right so it's like okay we believe in the ancestors the universe and you know and then it's it turns into this i don't know it feels like church and that's what bothers me not everyone but the ones that do you could kind of you see them talking and you're looking at them like what's his angle what's her angle don't do nothing for people they just take they're an influencer they're this conscious community and then and that gets kind of crazy because I don't even know what that means. Because conscious community will be like someone sitting there with like 15 pieces of weave in her hair, makeup from here to there. No hate, no diss if you're looking like that. Sis, you got to do what you got to do. But there's no like self-love. You know, they talk about, oh, we need to do this and we need to do that. But never really working on the people. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, I, I, I definitely, need, I definitely know what you're saying, and uh, I guess this is another ironic uh, point that you would bring up. Um, so I'm, I'm currently working on. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it short, but it looked like it might take an hour to two hours to get this point across. But I'm breaking down the dichotomy of the word coon by breaking it down into a couple of different um, anagrams, um, with the first being coon. Um, and a coon is someone who is, you know, a capitulating, and I, this was my, my first thought of the, of the word, but I'm, I'm still working on how I want to form this up. Um, a capitulating, overly oppressed Negro. Um, in order to be still capitulating to something, in my opinion, that needs to be a person who has power. And we know black people in this country have no power. Um, and those who do, they only use it for white interests. So those are your Supreme Court justices who we see, right? Th those are people who have power, but they don't use it to the benefit of our people. Those are your your, pol your political misleaders. Um, those are they're, they're not your rappers. Your rappers or your cons, C O N. Those are your capitulated, oppressed Negroes. Those are the people who have the power of influence. They don't have power to make any changes, but they have the power to take a positive person or someone who's still trying to find their way and influence them towards something wrong but then i have what i call the cn the cm is just the conscious negro those are all of these people who you just spoke about right like your, your tyreek lashid as i like to call him um i don't really want to say umar johnson because i know a lot of people might disagree with that because i see that there's still some people on that umar johnson train um i give umar his, his props from when I first started listening to him, if not for Umar, I never would have even found Irritated Genie. Um, but, I mean, I think anyone could look at his recent behavior and just be like, yo, I don't think, I don't think he, he, he's any good. Um, but again, the, the, your, your conscious Negroes are just the ones who, they want to bring you in and they want to talk about 
you know, your chakras and, and things of that nature. But just like Umar, donations, 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 right? Like those, those, those are people who are, they're, they're basically the pastors of the church, but they're doing it to the conscious community. And all they're after is getting that money because they know they can't get, and, and trust me, if crackers finally realize that, yo, we can take over this quote-unquote black conscious community by giving them some faith-based initiatives as well and let them open up some 5013Cs, yo, we, we, we finally got them locked in. If crackers figured out how to get that done, um, we can best believe that black people in this country will be, will be in a very rough spot, right? And, and then the, the, the last letter just being the letter C is just for those who are conscious. Like those who understand what the other three are and are moving in the way to combat that while still trying to save those who haven't, you know, been, been a part of anything. Like those who are still, who are still searching for their path in life and don't know exactly which route to go. We don't want to see them, you know, get turned into Negroes. We just don't. Um, and it's it's a hard, it's a hard battle, but it's one that must be taken up if we want to see you know black people or you know African people as a race move up. Like we have to do. This is a battle that must be fought. We're fighting for the souls of our people. We are, but and and yet, but I want to say not to be like glass half empty. Is that my issue? Is that. We know when you know better, you do better, right? Mm-hmm. It be our own damn people dragging us. Do you get what I'm saying? Because nobody would know what Nat Turner was doing if it wasn't for whoever told on him or Denmark VC. Like, no one would know these things unless some house nigga or film nigga decided, oh, I'm going to go say something. Like, what did you think he was going to get from Massa? Do you get what I'm saying? What did you, mm-hmm. what, and so when you said that about the, the rappers, I thought about your sports athletes, your actors, your comedians, right? I thought about how the the children and adults revere them, right? Revere everything mm-hmm. that's coming out of their mouth. So when they go, hey, go take the vaccine because I took it, everyone's running down there with their arms out, right? Exactly. No one's asking questions. You don't even know if this motherfucker took this shit. Because nine times out of ten, sometimes they don't take it. I seen a um, it was the swine flu, nineteen seventy six. This this is was like you know this before I was even born, and they had an ad. Mary Tyler Moore took her vaccine. Why haven't you? They interviewed fucking Mary Tyler Moore in motherfucking nineteen, what was it, nineteen eighty six, and asked her. She said, "I never took it." I never took it. I never took a vaccine. And I did see that ad, but I couldn't say anything because it was the government. The government was doing it. What was I going to say? Well, you, you can't take my likeness. No, nah, she said, I ain't take it. I spoke to the doctor. Me and the doctor didn't think it was a good idea. So 40 million uh, people got it because they thought Mary Tyler Moore took it and she didn't take it. She never yeah. took it. Uh, I think that uh, over the, the years, we have tried to inform the American people as, as fully as possible. As part of informing Americans about the swine flu threat, Dr. Sensor's CDC also helped create the advertising to get the public to take the shot. 
Let me read to you from one of your own agency's memos planning the campaign to urge Americans to take the shot. The swine flu vaccine has been taken by many important persons, he wrote. Example, President Ford, Henry Kissinger, Elton John, Muhammad Ali, Mary Tyler Moore, Rudolf Nureyev, Walter Cronkite, Ralph Nader, Edward Kennedy, etc., etc. True? Uh, I'm not familiar with that particular piece of paper, uh, but I do know that at least of that group, President Ford did take the vaccination. Did you talk to these people beforehand to find out if they planned to take the shot? I did not know. Did anybody? I do not know. Did you get permission to use their names in your campaign? I do not know. Mary, did you take a swine flu shot? No, I did not. Did you give them permission to use your name saying that you had or were going to? Absolutely not. Never did. Did you ask your own doctor about taking the swine flu shot? Yes, and at the time he thought it might be a good idea. Um, but I resisted it because well, I was leery of having the symptoms that sometimes go with that kind of inoculation. So you didn't? No, I didn't. Have you spoken to your doctor since? Yes. And? He's delighted that I didn't take that shot. You're in charge. Somebody's in charge. There are... This is your advertising strategy that I have a copy of here. Who's it signed by? This one is unsigned. But you, you'll acknowledge that it was your baby, so to speak. It uh, could have been from the uh, Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. It could be from CDC. I don't know. It's shit like but that. But they know that's, that's how to get... They know that's how, that's how... If they want to get a mass of black people to do anything, all they got to do is go over to the cons go over to the influencers of the black community and just say, get them to either agree or get them to perform or what, just like you already said, you know, when it, when it came to this so-called vaccine, hell, when I seen my hometown rappers, you know, um, juvenile, um, vax that thing doing, up, vax that thing up, like, what the hell? Have you sold out your soul that bad for some money like come on now man i grew up in these neighborhoods i know damn good and well we all grew up not trusting these folks but your love of the dollar means more to you than anything else and it's like the things you will see black people do for a buck is just insane and Cracker knows this. The Cracker knows this. That's why they continue to do it. And again, history just repeats itself over and over and over again because nobody wants to just point it out like, yo, these folk already know they can pull it by the, by the coattails as long as they got, you know, it, it basically at this point, it, it, it's, it's the donkey with the damn carrot in front of its face. Like, here's your liberation right here. You'll never be able to reach it, but, you know, just keep striving for it. Maybe you'll get it eventually. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, perhaps, not perhaps, I know for certain, we don't know who we are. Well, not us, not you and I. But the whole lot of them don't know who they are, right? So now it's nothing but simple as research, but nobody wants to read, right? Scroll that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think of something like, um, you know, Oh, was it Caribbean Pirates of the Sea with uh, Johnny Depp? Barbosa? Mm -hmm. Barbosa was mm -hmm. a brother. See, a lot, we don't even know a history. Not, everything's <laughs> been whitewashed. You know that Picasso they talk about? Well, that, mm -hmm. was, that was over in Africa. <laughs> that 
that was over in Africa somewhere, and then someone took it and redid it and said it was theirs. It was Michelangelo. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, people don't even understand the shit that has been whitewashed. That Horribly. goes even for the, uh, um, what is the, uh, what do they call the the mural on the ceiling? I can't remember what they call it. Um, oh, the... Uh, not you the Sixteen Chapel. Not the, not the Sistine Chapel. It could, it could be, but you know, it's the big mural with the the angels and things of that nature um, that they see on, on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Either way, either way, uh, when it was first drawn, I believe it was by uh, Leonardo. It was either Leonardo or, or or Michelangelo, one of those two, right? Um, supposedly, it was done in all black. And the Catholic Church said, no, you need to change this. And the same goes with the Statue of Liberty. A lot of people don't know that, who was it, the French? They gave that to, to America um, as a black woman to, 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 to recognize African people's freedom. And America was like, hell no. And a lot of people, even to this day, you know, they, they'll go through the tours and stuff like that to the Statue of Liberty, and they, they can still see, like, the uh, the chain that is tied to um to her foot um like the, there's so many things out there that point to who we are and to the to the few people who have tried to at least say something towards it but the the the, the system of racism white supremacy will not allow that <laughs> you know in, in order for them to continue with this falsehood of supremacy they must continue with the lies, and that's why we're we're, we're steadily seeing. Um, I, I guess I'll use the term everybody seems to be using. That's why we're seeing Babylon falling. You know, it, it's just the lies. Though I don't believe um, it's falling. Um, I believe it's 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 a controlled destruction as they move in their great reset. As as uh, me and you both are aware of that, they're getting ready to vote on. Uh, literally tomorrow to take away <laughs> to take away our, our sovereignty to take away our, our, our body rights our natural rights and things of that nature <laughs> yeah it, it's just one big goddamn cluster fuck because you know when you was talking about that whole statue of liberty thing i went mm-hmm. oh it was copper she was copper that's why it's green now what does a penny do? Mm-hmm. A penny changes color. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? She was copper. Yep. <laughs> Why would you make something copper if you weren't going for that color? Do you get what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and, and for our, our loving in Christ, well, Jesus is, uh, I mean, it says in the Bible, right? He's got, like, if you're into that, he's, he's, he's his skin, woolly hair, burnt skin, right? And then uh-huh. they draw a picture of Caesar Borgia. Caesar Borgia is fucking his sister. You're worshiping in a man that is into incest with his sister. Do you know how fucking perverted that is? Yes. That part. So if we're gonna if we are going to assign ourselves into those cultural inappropriation bullshit, we should at least know what we're doing. We should at least do the back story. But at the end of the day, it's about divide and conquer. We know it's about divide and conquer all day, 
I just don't understand how we've been on this planet so long and we, not us, why most people don't see it. You know, that's that's a question I've been jumbling through uh, for a couple of weeks now because I look at... I, I, I look at the brothers from the United Front um, group. I look at a good brother, um, Brother Tad, um, out of out of New York, who, who used to be part of the uh, the Straight Black Pride organization. Um, but he 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 he's still doing race work and things of that nature. Um, I, I, I look at people who who come from you know backgrounds of growing up in the streets, selling drugs, you know. But they've got knowledge of self, right? And they weren't afraid of that knowledge. And they, they took on that information and said, no, I was doing things the wrong way. I got to go back into my community and repair the damage that I've done. And they take the moral high ground. But then there's people who are around them, you know, that, and, and I'm not saying that there's something wrong with the people who you know, they're still cool with, who also have some of this knowledge but refuse to take the moral high ground, right? Like, we, we see this a lot where, and, and we can look at, we can look at some of the, the older rappers now, right? We can look at, you know, they're, they're now in their elder years and when you listen to, to some of their rapping things of that nature, it's not about flossing and selling drugs it's now about yo you got to understand that's what i that's what i had to do that's what i that's what i grew up with i didn't know no better i didn't have no other way and it's like you had some knowledge you knew something there was always a different way just like now there's always a different way like we have become so reliant upon this degeneracy that we just bask in it. And I'm, and I'm saying, I don't like to use the word we, especially when I'm, when I'm trying to make that, that, that classification of the black people who, who don't want to come up out of that. Like, you have those who get some of the knowledge, and then you have those who don't get some of the knowledge. But either way... You know what you're doing is not moral. Just period. You know it's not moral. So why don't you want to come out of that? Well, because the immoral way is is, is, is giving them some kind of benefit. No matter what no matter what we might say or what we might think, that immorality still does something for them that if they said, yo, I gotta I gotta do it the right way, then they're gonna lose out on that stuff. And they don't want they don't want to lose out on, on those perks that they get from living the immorality the the, immo, the immoral lifestyle or principles whatever it is that they have aligned themselves with they refuse to come up out of that and trying to get them to realize anything by the time they reach their forties or their fifties by then it's just a lost cause because at that point they know damn good and well what they're doing and. I mean, you could t- you could talk to these people till you're blue in the face, and they're still going to tell you, "Yeah, but I'm gonna do it my way." Well, of course. Well, here's the thing, right? 
um, I, for me, it's it's seeing a brother that grew up in the in the game, right? Grew up in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you're you're putting crack on the streets. You're killing your brothers and sisters. You're you got people selling their babies and shit. Do you get what I'm saying? And when I say I mean crack across the board, right? Our people, mm-hmm. pink people, all that shit, right? And then them, you know, oh, it's making a hundred thousand dollars a week. Okay, at the flyest cars, I had the a bunch of hoes, and then they get locked up and they come out and they goes, I'm gonna get, sh- I'm gonna go straight again, I'm gonna do good, and then th- that's the challenge. How do you go from making a hundred thousand dollars? Of being like a big fish in a little pond because you're in the projects. You ain't even trying to leave the projects. Let it make sense. You driving the fanciest shit. You're, you're eating out every fucking day. And then now you come out. Now you got to go to the power plant. And because you hid some money, now you're driving a Bentley to work. What the fuck does that do to your mind? <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Oh, I'm making $25,000 a year now. And I have the flyest fucking car because I was able to stash and Brett. Like, how do you expect someone to go straight from that? And why I'm saying that is how do you expect those black folks that feel like mass is going to look out for them? How do you think they're able to come back and go? Because a lot of it, this is infiltration. You know, uh, what is it? Fred Hampton isn't dead because... Pinky knew he was. Someone did that for $200 up here, sneakers. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Malcolm X, a brother did that, right? But Pinky sent him. Do you get what I'm saying? So my whole thing is, at what point do we start, listen, I ain't even trying to be funny. If you're going to kill somebody, kill them on your own. But now you're killing someone because someone told you to go do it. And now you're the scapegoat. Because people believe what they see with their eyes. Well, now everybody loved Malcolm. Look, it was somebody in the mosque that did that to him. But we know what time it was, right? He had a whole, his security was what? NYPD detectives, right? He didn't know that. Uh-huh. He had COINTELPRO. They had secretaries reporting back to the FBI and the CIA. Oh, they're going over here. They're going to get some land. I don't know when they're coming back. COINTELPRO is a motherfucker. Because there was so many people infiltrating that look like us. At what point do we go, why are we fucking telling the fox what's going on in the hen house? Or we forget we're, we're, we're wolves too. We're foxes too. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what I, 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 I don't get this need to please the outside. The need to go... I'm going to go, I'm on welfare. I can't have a man in my house. I've got five children, 18 baby daddies. Not None of them could come in here or I won't get my whatever the fuck every month. That's disturbing because here's what I ask somebody. When white folks are on welfare, don't they have their husband around? That's why I was confused. Mm-hmm. How come... The black woman can't have a husband around or a husband. But down in the trailer park, Jim Bob and them, if anybody's going to be fucking my sister, it's going to be me. Going to be me. Right. <laughs> it, it has the whole family together and they, they get something every, you know, I would hear jokes mm-hmm. like it would be like, what's long and black? The welfare line. 
right? These are like the typical racist, you know, jokes and shit like that. But technically, it's not black people on welfare like that. I just, I just thought y'all should know. Y'all need to do the statistics. It was a lot of white folks on, lots of white folks. You think they set that up for us? You think Roosevelt set that up for us? Y'all niggas is crazy. <laughs> now, if you re- if you remember now, I think it was 2015, 2016, up there in upstate New York, they cracked down on all of those Jewish people who had the welfare scams going on living inside of million-dollar homes. Well, brother, go ahead. Preach, preach, preach. Don't stop. <laughs> but it... it for you to bring up Malcolm, right, and, and for a lot of people who, who might not know, uh, May 19th was actually uh, Malcolm's born day. Um, actually, you know, this week we had a, a couple of powerful um, born days. Uh, May 15th was, was actually Darren Seals' um, born day. Darren Seals was the, uh, the brother who organized the grassroots Black Lives Matter, the on-the-ground um, organization when Mike Brown was murdered um, and that brother was eventually murdered for speaking out against set the, on fire set on fire set almost yeah he, he, he was he was murdered and shot twice in the back of the head set on fire in the car they did that to him and a couple of the other brothers who who, who stood up um so he was born May 15th. Um, Dale Jones, I believe, was also May 19th, as well as Malcolm. And I believe there's one or two more um, on the 16th and maybe even today. I just can't remember who they are right now. But I know, you know, this week alone, just, you know, it, it's a black, powerful week for us. Um, and again, because we don't know our history, right? You don't know how things are connected you so like when it comes to Malcolm I didn't have anyone in my life to teach me who Malcolm was when I was growing up my mother had a photo of Martin Luther King on the wall I can't even I can't even remember what the the wording on it was it could have been some words from the uh, I have a dream speech um, which straight black pride eventually taught me that it wasn't even his speech um, that was actually written by one of his uh, small hat handlers who happened to be there um and you know that's what king actually read um king didn't even really want to be there but he came there and, and he gave that speech um but no one taught me who malcolm was but as i was growing up i always just felt something was just dumb and stupid about someone being able to hit you and you turned the other cheek. That never made sense to me. And then the movie came out, right? On um, the Spike Lee movie, and that was the that was the first time I ever seen who Malcolm was. And I, I understand now how still that was a very watered down. But you know, as a child who doesn't know who Malcolm is, you know, this being the first image that I'm seeing of him. And I, and I realized how a lot of the things that I felt was things that this man was talking about, but I still never um, dwelled within, you know, trying to figure out more of who he was and things of that nature. It wasn't until I was an older man um, that I came across um, his teachings. And it wasn't, it really wasn't until Straight Black Pride that I really got to learn 
who Malcolm, um, who he is. I won't say who he was because Malcolm still lives within all of us. Us just speaking his name, um, you know, brings life to that brother and all of his works. Um, so I would, I would definitely say that anyone who is trying to take that moral high ground, or like you said, right, they want to, uh, you know, they, they're coming out of a pen from, you know, living that living that drug life. Where, where here's a brother who came out of the pen, and look what he did with his life. Like we, like you can have the excuses that you want. But if you want to play that game of being out in the streets, well, you got to remember what what you're sacrificing, right? Like it, it's 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 roulette. It's a game of, of roulette. You you you're spinning that wheel and placing that ball on there, hoping to always get your number. But what happens when you don't win? What happens when it's either your life physically or your life in time given to these people? in their penitentiaries. And once you're in the pen, hell, what do you have to give up even then? You know? Like my father, like I said, he he he, he didn't want us to live that, that lifestyle. So he made sure he kept us inside and things of that nature. But from the times that we would be outside or my friends who I would hang around with, they knew how smart I was and good with numbers. I was offered you know, to be in the game a lot of times and I had to turn it down. The last time I turned it down, I was like 16, 17 years old. And I was like, yo, I, I am tired of being broke. You know, like I, I would like to have some money in my pocket. But two days later, 14 year old kid living that life, shot and killed. And I said, yeah, not, not happening. Not happening. It's not, that's not going to be me. So, if you wanna, if you, if you wanna say that you can't see a way out of it, well, you tell me what's more important than you know continuing to do harm just to get to your community, just to get money, or you know doing what's right and just not making the money. Because if you wanna do what's not right, you're playing with your life. You, you, you're playing with your life, and now you can't even say that you're playing with your life. You're playing with your life and the lives of your family because these these goons out here they not just they're not just killing the player. They're killing the player's family as well. The baby mama, the children, they're killing them all. Like black people have man, we have we have sunk into a new low. Where'd you go? Did you disappear? Oh uh, yeah. I'm oh there you go. <laughs> Can you hear me? I, 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 I just you know, just just thinking about Black children, babies being murdered. It, you know, it just take me back for for a second. I had to, I had to stop um, because it's, 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 a, it's a new depravity that we're seeing coming from, coming from our people, and it, it's just it's just sickening. It's heavy. It's heavy when you see a lot of missing girls, right? And people's just going with their life. Like, hello, what happened to that scene in Taken? Like, I will fucking hunt you down for mine. Do you not understand? Give me the key. I'll let myself in. You know, I remember reading uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X. I was like 13. And um, I don't I think it was like it was a black male teacher. We weren't it wasn't in the curriculum, but he would kind of teach us to the side. Like, this is not part of the curriculum, but I need you guys to pick up this book. Right. 
one of those, you know. Mm. And so I remember reading it, and I remember going to my grandmother and going, Grandma, are we related to Malcolm X? <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, his mom's from Grenada. Like, everyone's fucking related <laughs> on an island. Like, is that does that is that in my veins, right? And so I always tell people, I am Nat Turner. I am Malcolm X. I am Marcus Garvey all day. I breathe them in every day. Like, they live on through me. They live on through you. And once we kind of realize the power that we have, right? We invented so much, right? We talked about that last time. And then to think that during... 2020 they rewrote some history i don't know if you've seen i had posted they said george washington carver was gay malcolm x was bisexual i said what the entire f- do you get what i'm saying yo yo the, the yeah. man is turning in his grave i said and no one's gonna we, well the families the bloodline is damn near wiped out i would say watch how they kill someone and you and it's a statement. So someone like Gaddafi, do you know what they did to Gaddafi? They sodomized him before they killed him, and then when they killed him, they sodomized him again. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, it's like so you fucked a dead man. Like I wouldn't be surprised. You know this is why the Haitians say, "Oh no, there's no sin in killing yourself and sticking myself in this goddamn." in this thing and blowing myself all over the place because I'm coming back as a gnat to disturb your peace. Because at the end of the day, there's so much power within it in us. And we, it's like, we don't even, uh, it, it, it kind of breaks my heart. But like I was saying to you, it starts with us. Right. And how do we get better? Right. And yes, it's a new low and yes, there are pedophiles and yes, there are black babies missing and black boys and black girls and people are being molested and all types of, fucked up shit but what can we do to change that what can we do different do we not speak to our children we don't wait till they get big we talk to them when they're young there's nothing wrong with telling the story right because everyone knows right there was a time where it was about the the oration or oration i'm hope i'm saying it right right you would tell a story and that story would get passed down and you would know where you came from and who was who. But then somehow, somewhere in the madness of slavery, Granny didn't want to talk about it anymore. Granny didn't want to talk about Grandpa didn't want to talk about stuff. And like you were saying, things hurt. But how am I supposed to know what hurts if you don't tell me what to look out for? We got to tell our babies. We got to say, this is what's going on. We cannot shelter we cannot shelter them anymore. We have to tell them what is going on outside. Because guess what happens? Outside gets spilt inside. And then what? Definitely. Because no matter how much we try to, you know, I don't want to say shelter, um, because that's the way that people who don't understand um that, that's the way that people who don't understand how home, how homeschoolers, um, and, and specifically black homeschoolers, you know, uh, African-centered ones, they see us keeping children inside um, as, a, as us sheltering them from the outside world when we're protecting our children from the things in the outside world. Like, sheltering 
it's not even the, the, the right word to even be used, but sheltering is the word that, that is used when you think about parents who let their children only see the world through one lens, right? And that lens isn't even the, the best lens. Like, for instance, my, my, my wife, like I said, we're both from New Orleans, but I grew up on the impoverished side, so I grew up in the streets, whereas she grew up in the suburbs on the nicer side of town. So when we were dating and things of that nature, um, whenever I would see something that would alert my senses, um, that, you know, just growing up in, in, in a dangerous atmosphere, you know, whenever I would see something like that or, or I just get that, that, that sense that something bad is about to happen, you know, I would be like, yo, we, we need to step. We need to go somewhere else. I don't like the way this is going. I don't like the vibes, it would, no matter what it is. And she would never be able to pick up on it. And sure enough, as soon as we would leave, a few minutes later, or, or maybe you'll even see it on the news that a couple of hours later that something happened in that area. And she was like, how did you know that? And it's like, yo, because I grew up in that type of environment. But her father and mother grew up, you know, raised her up again in what we were called, what people were called being sheltered because they didn't want her to see what the streets had to offer. And that's not them sheltering her. That was them protecting their daughter. There is nothing wrong with people wanting to protect their children from, um, from, from the dregs of this society. But when it comes to television, like no matter what we do, right, we can homeschool our children, we can do our best to, to get children outside of that uh, that microcosm of racism, white supremacy, and, and one of its uh, one of its biggest grasp, which is the education system. And we could just have our children at home, but our children are eventually going to pick up that TV remote and they're going to want to watch something. And I feel like that television is. <laughs> is more dangerous than the schoolhouse itself. And the reason I say that is because the schoolhouse is dumbing, is dumbing our children down. It's not teaching them who they are. They can get some skills from it, but ultimately, in order to be a better person, even scholastically, Parents need to be able to do it themselves or find a good homeschooling program that's going to do it for them. But television is going to do all of that, but in an entertaining way, right? It's going to grab that child's brain because school can't keep them entertained. A child will be tired of listening to the teacher talk about, you know, arithmetic, um, spelling, reading, and things of that nature. A child will be will be bored out of their minds. But that television, it's always going to keep them entertained. It's always going to keep them going and, and having them wanting more and more and more and to the point where it's like, yo, you're being homeschooled, but where are you getting these mannerisms from? And even if you try to have your, your, your child, you know, just watch black television shows like, for instance, my own daughter. Um, now, we only just started homeschooling her 
2021, I guess you, you you could say. Um, but during during that time, like I said, I we I disconnected from cable 2015, so we weren't really watching too much television in this house. Um, but now as she's coming closer to her teen years, she's picking up a lot of individualism um, traits that we don't understand where they come from. And then, like, I just spoke to my wife last night about this, like, maybe it's from from, from some of the shows that she watched, that we let her watch. Like, because we let her watch Moesha. We let her watch One on One. And, and these are shows with, you know, black girls in them who are coming into their teenage years all the way up into their, you know, young adult years where they're practicing, um, you know, they need they need separate space from their family. They need time to themselves. They need time in the room by themselves. And it's and, and I feel like that's where I'm seeing this stuff come from, right? Whereas my son, on the other hand, all he ever wants to do is just be around us because from the moment he was born, we were already moving towards um, this way of life um, as a whole family. So... For him, everything is like, yo, I want to be with family. I always want to be around family. What do you mean you don't want to be around me? Even if it comes to watching TV, it's like, yo, what are we watching? And But for her, it's like, you know, what am I going to watch? Or what are y'all going to watch me watch? <laughs> and it, it, it's just a, a symbolism of, of individualism that I feel, if not corrected, it can turn into a toxic um, behavior. And again, that's something that she only got, I feel, from watching television. So last night, um, we watched uh, an episode of Rock with them. Like, of all the old television, black television shows me and my wife have ever tried to have our children watch, um, they, they liked the Cosbys until the, the later seasons they got a little tired and bored with that um they liked a different world again and uh, up until the later seasons where it was just like eh, kind of stretching it now and you can kind of see like the colorism being played um the multiculturalism with the characters as they bring white characters onto the shows um like it, it, you just see that a, a lot with some of the older black television shows. But when we watched Rock last night, my children were just sitting there just enjoying the entire show. And there was not one line that was said that me and my wife had to scratch our head over like, yo, we used to like this growing up? Because that's how we felt when we tried watching uh, The Jeffersons. Like the very first episode of The Jeffersons, I was like, yo, I used to watch this growing up? What the hell is wrong with me? Like some of these older television shows that you know were 100% created by white folk <laughs> but only had black actors you can definitely see how they, they, they're different from a show with an all black cast that has at least a black writer for it like shows like in, in um, Living Single and things of that sort no no you're right uh, it's it was something we say on the wake up radio is control the mind the body follows yeah. Mm-hmm. And so television, television is it's programming. It's programming. It's it's all right there in your face. You know, this is why when TV got invented, you had a lot of people up in arms. Why would you bring this evil box in here? 
<laughs> because you didn't know what they were going to do. You know, it's changed so much that, you know, you could be watching. I think it was like Ray Liotta or something like that. He was doing a show and you're like, OK, this is a mobster guy. Right. I've seen him in Godfather mm-hmm. one through a thousand. And then all of a sudden he's talking to this dude and they just start making out. It's like. Dude, like, what just happened? Like, warn us. Ray Liotta? Yes. Wow. And it was just one of those moments. It's like, oh, this is the agenda. Agendas have to be met. (laughs) So you want the children to see it. And you want them to, you know, a lot of times when my children are watching TV, um, it never fails. Like, I'll walk in and there's always a part in it never fails in a show where someone's making out or they're about to have sex. And it's funny because the children tell me they, they feel like it's on purpose <laughs> that I walk in as soon as somebody's about to have sex. <laughs> and they're like, it wasn't showing that. And I'm like, so when you're watching now, come, let me show you something. This is what herpes looks like. This is what black, wart, this is what warts look like. And they're like, why can't you be a regular mom? Right. Most moms just kind of go take that off or ignore it. No, I'm going, let me show you what meningitis looks like. Let me show you what HIV looks like. Let me like, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. You want to watch that, but let me show you like there. I tell people there's worse things than pregnancy. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Like, they are worse mm-hmm. things than being pregnant. And then just kind of like, okay, you're looking at that. I can't take that from you because you just seen it. But let me help you undo some shit in your head. So that way you'll think twice. It's not about going out, drinking, smoking, getting with someone. Do you get what I'm saying? It's about respecting yourself. Your body is a what? My body's a temple, right? Because they go... It's a temple. And I go, I know you're not saying it with feeling right now, but one day you're going to get what I'm saying. If more people just sat with their children, like you said, you guys sit and watch and rock together, that is beautiful. Whether it's playing a board game together, playing Uno together, playing, do you get what I'm saying? It's just so much Mm -hmm. you can do as a family. And I think it's the agenda behind depopulation the agenda between this whole lgbt elemental p whatever it's about destroying families man yeah. pre- man is pregnant huh what are you telling me like, uh, you know what i'm saying or uh, you know it's just weirdness it's absolute weirdness and funny enough uh, because i started reading the talmud right I haven't finished. Mm-hmm. It's 3,206 pages. And one of the first stories in the Talmud is that the man that breastfed his son, his child. The man is breastfeeding his child. Like, that's in there. Like That says a lot. That says a lot. It's disturbing. And now with yeah, all that's true. been said. I, I think, sis, I think you need to... Um... I think you need to, to elaborate a little bit because some people might not know what the Talmud is. <laughs> I think I think if, if you if you just give a quick little uh, description of what the Talmud is, because when you explain that and explain how it's in that book, it should tell you who that lifestyle is naturally suited towards. Well, I won't say small hats, but I will say the Jews. <laughs> Because we could do that on here. So the Jews, this is like their Bible, right? And also in there, those of you who are big time Jesus lovers, uh, Jesus is boiling in excrement and semen. Like this thing is like, you know, to read this is like, 
this is what they believe. Like, so they think a man can suckle uh, breast milk for its child. Like, it's everything's upside down, introverted. This is what the Jews are reading. This is their this is their Bible, right? The Sanhedrin Babylon <laughs> text, like the shit. Oh, you can sleep with a child no younger than three years in a day. Do you get what I'm saying? It's some it's pedophilia. It's uh, transgenderism. It's just like when did they write this book in the in the 1900s? It is the, it is their way of life that they they live their life by. <laughs> it, it is it is natural towards them, and I think if a lot of people really start realizing how, you know, the, the design, I mean, pretty much all of these, uh, Hebrew fates are corrupted, um, versions of traditional African spirituality, um, coming from out of, you know, Africa and Kemet, um, the principles of Mayotte, things of that, of that nature. Um, if you, I mean, I don't even know how you got your hands on that book, first off, <laughs> but congratulations to you. But if anyone can ever really um, get their hands on any of these people's books and then go back and just do a little bit of studying, or you don't even have to do any studying, you can just get online, go to a tap video on YouTube, that's Transatlantic Productions. They have tons of videos from our scholars um, who break down the dichotomy of, you know, a lot of these religions and they show you how those religions were formed from our spiritualism, from our beliefs and teachings and practices. Um, one of the books that's on my shelf uh, right now uh, from Walter Williams, uh, the historical origin of Christianity, like, he, 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 I love the way he breaks it down because in order for something to be history, um, you know, you need a couple of things. You need an event. You need people because you need people there to, to have witnessed the event. You need time. You know, what time did this, did this actually happen? And when you look at a lot of these, um, these religions and their books and teachings and things of that nature, you don't see how any of this, uh, a lot of these things don't have those three basic principles so it's like okay so how how is this real how did this really happen and then then as you know our uh, our esteemed elder um dr john henry clark says it's just a it's just a good book <laughs> it's just a good book of folklore it's a good story but that don't make it uh factual you can use that for inspiration yes but it's not truth that part, that part. It's so funny because I was looking up the 15th century and one of the things I noticed, they had a lot of, uh, you know, because they would do burning at the stake and shit like that. But one of the things that they were calling a lot of the people at the Catholic Church were deviants. And what they meant by it was they were catching a lot of the priests and the monks having sex with the children. And that's mm-hmm. what the people were speaking out about. But you know, you're a heretic. You're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> no, we're not allowed to talk. Fuck the children, right? Literally, fuck the children, right? In the rectory type shit. You know, it, it, it was like this thing has been happening forever. 
you know, I had an elder come on and talk about back in the days with the whole Spartacus, the whole Rome thing. You were told mm-hmm. as a Roman soldier to have a male lover. Don't have a wife. Have a male lover. This thing has been happening for a very long time. Very. Disturbing. Very. Um, I, I would suggest anybody who wants to, to get that deep into the history of it to pick up uh, Walimu Baruti's book, The um, Homosexuality and the Feminization of the African Male. He goes into great detail of that, um, going all the way back to uh, um, Homer's Odyssey and just um, describing all of that and, um, the, you know, the, the origins of the word mentor, how we shouldn't even, how we shouldn't even use that word. Like a lot of the words that, that we use, um, in the English, um, vocabulary are words that are, you know, they go hand in hand with, with this sickness, with, with pedophilia, with homosexuality. And because we don't know it, because they make sure to, uh, you know, obscure that truth from you. Well, I think as the saying always goes, right? If you if you don't know what you're uh, getting yourself into, uh, you don't know exactly where you might be going or something like that. I'm pretty sure I just murdered that. But it's still in that same nature, right? Like, you have to know what you're practicing. And if you don't, I mean, how, how can you use something for your benefit if you think that you can twist it? Like, and this is something I tried to speak about on my last live before I don't know what ha- happened with it. Um, it's like Twitch kind of cut it off. Um, I was trying to get into it explaining about you want to practice the ways and the, 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 the mannerisms of these people who are not your people. And then you want to think you can have the same outcomes as them. No. <laughs> Mannerisms and teachings that were formed to benefit white people will only benefit white people. It will not benefit black people. You can't, you can try your best to imitate these people, but these people are imitating you. Like, you're now seeing that they're the ones walking around with big butts, with big lips, with athletic skills, with rap careers. You know, hell, they, they showcased it to you now. They, they have all of these television shows where they're being judged. And if you're black and you're watching these shows, of course, you're always sitting there rooting for the black people. But then the black people ain't the, the, the black people don't win. And you're like, yo, how is that possible? <laughs> like, uh, let me take one of those uh, those I, I Am Chef or something like that. Like when when me and my wife used to watch it, like back in 2010 or something like that. Um, you know they have the three stages where they have to prepare a meal, and you know the white contestants they bomb out every every last one of the stages, right? Like the judges don't like their dish. They don't like their presentation. The person cut their finger and continued cooking instead of, you know, quickly doing first aid to then go back to cooking. And then they get to the final stage and the black person who got good marks the entire time, you already like, you know, that's going to be the winner. And then the last stage comes and the judge is like, no, we're going to go with, with Whitey over here. And it's like, 
<laughs> why? Why? But you, we see that on all of these TV shows where, where they're showcasing in front of a judging audience and it's a white person who now validates who has talent in doing something when it's the talents that we naturally have, like American Idol. Um, what was the one with Lavelle Crawford on it that he actually lost to a white boy? I think it was Last Comic Standing. Like, we see this being played over and over and over again. Why do you think American Idol has lasted as long as it has? Like, they want to tell us who is accepted and who's not accepted. That's all any of this is about. It's to now say that they are going to take over every genre regardless of what you think. And as long as we keep watching these things, we are only, <laughs> we're only abiding by it. That's it. Because if we didn't watch them, well, white folk could probably still watch it, but it, won't, it wouldn't get as, as, as much time because we already know who's the biggest consumer of television programming. Black people. That, that's, that's been a known fact since the 90s. Black people are the biggest consumers of television programming. If we turn off these tubes, if we stop participating in their shows, let let white folk go up against white folk at these shows, and let's see how long they last. Well, no, that is so true. Like, you think about the fact that we are called liquid gold. You know, we spend a lot of money, we spend a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of effort in trying to live this, they call it the American dream. Um, and so, you know, fancy cars, fancy house. There's nothing wrong with wanting nice stuff, right? I'm not, I'm not going to get on people, but there's a level of you, you want to be leave it to beaver. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you want to be something that you don't want to be because they want to be you. It's jealousy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, anybody white. I'm not sorry. Like, it's jealousy. There is a level of just this. There's this, you know, just people that did, don't like. It's like the sass and the, you know, even when you're watching like the white girl, right? And she's talking about, mm-hmm, uh-uh, honey. And she's twisting her neck and shit. And I'm like, really? Uh, so we doing now? <laughs> like, uh, that's what we doing now? Like, oh, Becky. <laughs> you know? Well, here's, here's what I did want to ask you. I wanted to ask you, and with all that you said, is it a challenge to juggle family and life for you? Repeat that. Is it a challenge to juggle family and life? No. <laughs> my family is my life. My life is my family. Um, they go hand in hand. Um... I have, I've watched um, those who are, um, you know, people who influence me. I, I and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to speak to anyone's uh, personal, um, personal affairs or anything of that nature. But I have watched um, the family dynamic of some people who do race work. I've watched how, how it went for them and. That was one of the reasons why I had to pull back on being so stout from the beginning to come back to get my wife 
um, because I didn't want to be that way, right? I, I, I wanted, if I wanted, if I was going to do this, if I was going to talk about black man and the black woman, you know, and family and nation building of that, I had to do it with my wife and not alone. Um, I don't think I could do this if I didn't, if I didn't, you know, have my family in line with me. Um, so it, 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 it is, it's easy to do now, I, I can see. Um, but I'm pretty sure that there's, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, it might be, it might be a husband, it, it might be a wife, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, um, you, your spouse or, 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 you know, um, your counterpart, your compliment doesn't see things the way that you see and you, you love that person and you want to be with that person. But you see that person isn't isn't aligned with your way of life. Well, I would say at that point, try and, and I'm not saying that this method will work for you. I mean, I can only tell you will work for me, and it was me just making those positive changes to be a better person. You know, especially if your counterpart is a person of, of religion. Well, religion teaches you, or it's supposed to be teaching you to be a good person. Well, then show them what a good person looks like, but show them that good person doing that for your people. Because religion only teaches you to take care of others. And, and that, that's all it does. It doesn't teach you how to, how to be a better person for yourself. It teaches you how to love you know, everyone else around you. Well, teach them how to learn black, how to learn to love black folk. And when you make those positive changes, that person, they're going to see that. And if they want to be a part of that, they'll let you know. They'll want to start making those changes with you. If they don't, try, try again. I, I, I would say um, something that I like telling people is that, you know, I, I, I as a toddler, my mother told me I drunk bleach. I survived that. I drunk poison. I survived that. I survived living in the crack epidemic. I survived street gun violence. I survived almost being hit by motor vehicles. I survived a life in the military. There is still, to this day, no tougher battle than that of marriage. Of all the things I have lived through, marriage is the toughest battle, but it is the most rewarding of all. And if you can see yourself with someone for all eternity, and you want to make that dream a reality, then that's not something that you should ever give up on fighting. Like, if if Y'all go your separate way. It's because of that other person. It's not because of you. Because you do your all. And you give your all. And so you can't anymore. Because that's, in my opinion, that's that's what it means to be devoted to someone, right? Like, you claim to love someone and to be there for them. Now, I'm not saying that you put up with any, uh, any abuse that that person is giving you. By all means, I'm not saying that. But you damn sure need to stay in that race for as long as you can and, and just just don't give up family is everything 
It really is. I wanted to give a little uh, fun fact we were talking about when you were talking about um, us being consumers. A common scenario for many black folks when they get a huge chunk of money or their tax refund deposit is to run to the nearest appliance store, high-end mall or car dealer. We just love those shiny new rims. According to the (laughs) State of Working America, Black people spend 4% more money annually than any other race, despite the fact that they are the least represented race and the race that lives in poverty at the highest rate. Um, uh, Basically, if current economic trends continue, the average black household will need 228 years to accumulate as much wealth as their white counterparts. Uh, For Latinos, that's 84 years. Do you know how much we spent last year? We spent 1.6% trillion dollars in 2021 we spent 54 million dollars on ethnic and beauty aids mind you 63 million was made but we spent 54 women's fragrance we spent 152 million feminine hygiene 54 million men's toiletries 82 million personal soaps and baths 573.6 million frozen unprepared meat and seafood Seven hundred and sixty-one point seven million refrigerators, juices, and drinks. Five hundred and seventy-eight point two million um, regular shelf stable drinks and juices. Um, One point four billion. <laughs> We're talking about alcohol and stuff. <laughs> Spices, seasonings. Four hundred and thirty point two million bottled water. We spent eight hundred and ten point three million. Uh, repellents, insect, you know, because we hate mosquitoes, 176.6 million. Gum, we spent 122.8 million on gum. Uh, oil and shortening, 352 million. Household cleaning, 407 million. Detergents, 829 million. Cookware, 136 million. And for the charcoal, when we like to do the grill and stuff, 43.5 million. That is just us. We spent 1.6 trillion fucking dollars last year. We are neck and neck, they say, with the Asians, but we are basically outspending every fucking body. You know what, though? You know what? And I don't, I don't have the, the exact statistics in front of me. Um, about what we spend every year, but I know this is something that uh, Dr. Claude Anderson talks about, about us, you know, frivolous, just frivolous, ah, tongue-tied, frivolously, I know I still just murdered that, Um, you know, just wasting our money everywhere, right? Um, And he talks about, you know, it always being up within the trillions. But there's something that that I slightly just heard, right, is that there was a slight offset from the normal amount that black people have been spending. So to me, that means that there are black people coming out of it, right? It's slow. God damn, it's slow. But we have to take our, we have to take at least our, our, our victories where we can and, and see, and see the shining light within things. Um, now I don't know if that's, from black people practicing more black economics. I don't know if that's from like Killer or Kitty Mike, um, you know, with the with the put your money in black banks. 
I don't know what it is, but for some reason, we do have a smaller amount. I mean, it's still in the trillions, but at least it's a, a, it's a point or two off, you know, because it could it could have been two trillion. It could have been two point five trillion. But, you know, it, in my opinion, it sounds like the numbers are, are slowly going down. But that should also mean that, OK, what is going up? For black economics, then, right? Because if black economics to everyone else is still high, but it's not as high as it always been, then that must mean that money is being put somewhere else. And I would have to say that it's being put within the black economic structure that we are not monitoring. And I think we need to start um, getting these, these these studies and um, putting together these groups to study exactly how is the black economic business structure working what what are black um businesses now doing to circulate that black dollar and keep that dollar within the the, the community um and I, I tell i tell a lot of people that you know watch who you buy from even if they claim to be black owned like um what's that site uh, we buy black when my wife first started buying things from there i would always go to the site to see who the vendor is and i would call that vendor and if on the other line, you know, Sally, Susie, Billy answered the phone, immediately I would report that business to We Buy Black, and I would tell my wife, we're not buying anything from the, from that company again. Like, when it came to, to, to the site We Buy Black, I got to the point where I would just find the products I would want, but I'm not going through the middleman. I'm not. I'm not going to use your site. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say that. And I'm sorry to, if it sounds like I'm not supporting a black business. Well, in my opinion, this black business is failing because it's allowing white people to sell their stuff on their platform. And I understand business. Like I'm not saying I don't get it. But if I want to support black business and black business only, then I only want to see black people. And that's the only people I want to give my dollars. So I always made sure I researched and it got down to, I think like one of the last companies I just found out wasn't black owned was a, a toilet paper company. Um, I, I can't, I can't remember the name of the company, but you know, you go to their site and yeah, they, they, they told to be a, a, a black owned business, but you look at the ads, you go to the about page, right? That's what I tell everybody. You want to know about a company, go to their about page. And sure enough, I, I think he's even a Zionist who, who's the, the founder. And then underneath his photo is co-founder and it's an African. Uh, I actually, I think it's real toilet paper. So uh, R E E L toilet paper. It's not a black owned company. It's co-founded by, by a black man. Wow. I think that's that's the new gimmick that that white people are using. They 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 put a black face on something to say that it's black owned when it's really them who own it. That part, that part. That's why they say Paula Dean make the best fried chicken, niggas. <laughs> <laughs> that part. Oh man, I couldn't stomach watching that lady because she she have all her rings and stuff on her fingers, and it's like, yo, I'm not. Who the hell wants to eat something that, that has, you know, she probably had sex and wipe her ass and everything, new rings on her finger. Now she's going to call herself making some food? Oh, hell no. Nah. Oh, my gosh. Now, here's the thing. Do you feel like human beings, right, pretty much, do you feel like our people are more detached in society? 
Yes, I do. I do. Um, and and that, it kind of goes towards something that, that I kind of like stopped talking about a little bit uh, earlier with one of the questions, right? Um, let's just look at the depravity of, of, of pedophilia. I don't want to even talk about homosexuality. I'm just talking about the pedophilia aspect. Uh, in Louisiana, in New Orleans, to be more specific, like my hometown where I grew up at, um, all of that stuff was taboo, and nobody nobody dealt with it. You got, you know, people got beat up uh, for being for even being homosexuals, but children were being touched. Children were always being touched, but those people got dealt with. Now, there's like I stopped. I stopped looking at the news coming out of New Orleans a couple of years ago because I just started seeing how men were just scooping up children off the streets and raping them, and 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 it's like, yo, this is not this is not who we are. This is not where we come from. Um. And since we don't, since we don't know our history, I had to, I had to start doing some kind of research into why, and specifically, black people in New Orleans, right, or black people in the South. I had to start seeing why are we operating like this. And during my research, um, I came to, to this. I came to the thought that it must have something to do with the in with the with the breeding of the slaves in the South, right? Because you know they they talk about how you know slavery and the slave trade was outlawed, you know, by eighteen so and so, and and you know nobody could have slaves coming over on ships. Well, we know that, but that doesn't mean slavery stopped. And then, you know, if, uh, another book I would suggest reading is Kebuka by Wally Mubaruti, where he goes into detail about talking about um, how, they, how, how they bred us, right? And it didn't matter if it was, if it was um, mother and son, her, uh, father and daughter, brother and sister, it didn't matter. You know, you were forced to procreate with whatever female they, they, they gave you so that they can increase their numbers. Um, and, and when I say they, I'm talking about the slave monsters, right? Uh, I'm talking about, the, and the numbers being, being us. They wanted to have more enslaved people. Um, so they would force, they would force you to have sex. Now, you have to think about what kind of damage that has on the psyche of a people and that damage never be healed from because to this day, something that is not talked about in, in, but still happens in a lot of rural towns in the South is incest. Incest is still a high thing that goes on in the South that no one talks about. And that incest leads to pedophilia. People aren't even, you know, it's not even things being done by, by, by homosexuals, it's just the incest culture has led to pedophilia, and there has to be a catalyst to it. And to me, the catalyst has to be that 
that being bred syndrome, that that inbreeding, that we don't know what kind of damage it has it has done to us. Um, science science has even has even figured this out, right? That um, they've even figured out that trauma passes down through the bloodstream. We like they, all all of those things are part of your genetic makeup, which is why you can you can see how some black people who who are probably definitely afraid of law enforcement, right? They have children, and their children never come across law enforcement until the day they do come across them, and they're definitely terrified of them as well. And it's like, where did that child get that from? It's encoded in their DNA, and that's another thing that 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 we talked about, like. If we don't start healing from these things, then all we're doing is passing that genetic code of fear down to the next generation and so on and so forth. And I feel like that's what we're seeing happening to black people right now as a whole. Like we've we've been stuck in this degeneracy for so long and you've become so accustomed to it that now we're just passing it down through, through our genetic makeup. Right, and the next, the next, uh, the next generation has it in them. So whatever key thing can can set it off, boom, that person is now wrapped up in it, and they don't see anything wrong with it because they're like, well, hell, my parents did it too, you know, my parents did it too, and they can see someone who's talking like we're talking right now and just blow it completely the hell off because it doesn't align with their way of life. They don't want to. They they don't want to take the quote unquote moral high ground because it doesn't suit them. It's it's it, their genetic makeup tells them that this is my way of life. This is the way that I should be. Society even shows me that this is the way I should be. So something must be wrong with those folk because ain't nothing wrong with me. And it's and it's it's just wrong. It, it's hands down wrong, but. That that only makes the fight for those minds and for those souls that much more important. No, I totally I, agree that, that, with that's you. All I well, no, you know we we had it's so crazy because I did want DC to interview him, but he passed away at the top of the year. Natural causes. Doctor Richard Williams. He wrote the book. They stole it, but you must return it. And his book was about mm-hmm. the uh, black slavery experience in America and how the experience affect the black family and the health status of blacks today. And one of the one of the things when because uh, a couple of other people interviewed him, I was supposed to interview him, and I said, "Let's wait till after." This is why I don't like to wait to interview people anymore, you know, because nobody's promised mm-hmm. tomorrow. And he talked about the fact that what was happening was they were breeding slaves, and the lady remembers her son was branded and 15, 16 years later, they take that same woman and they put her with this 16 year old boy. He uh, said, where do you think they get the term motherfucker from? Exactly. She's now has to procreate with her son. She's violently sick. Like when she realizes like I'm pregnant from my son but I don't know it's my son because they took him away. And I'm looking at the brand like, that looks familiar. That's my son. I just, I'm about to have a baby with my son. This is sick. This is some sick fucking shit. This is some sick shit. I, uh, 
I, I get why the elders don't like talking about stuff. But you have to put it out there. Like, this is real. This is what happens. This is this shit is probably still happening right now. You think you think that you think the fucking sex trade stopped? You think our organ harvesting stopped? <laughs> like, don't get it twisted. You think pet, pedophiles aren't out here? And like you said, not to get it twisted with someone being homosexual, right? Totally a different type of thing, right? That somebody just being homosexual, right? And I've heard homosexuals say, no, pedophilia is wrong. No, you shouldn't lay with a child. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. I can do what I want to do. That's right. Over there. But... But nonetheless, that whole shit where you can lay with a child. Again, the Talmud says three years in a day. Who the fuck is sleeping with a three-year-old? And I think the, the, the rest of that line goes something like, um, for each, like for, for if she cries, it, it's, it's, no, it's nothing worse than, um, it, it, it's, it's still something like um, it's like poking a finger in her eye, and each time she cries, um, each each tear like reverginizes her or some shit, like some crazy, just nasty shit like that. Like they 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 write it in their biblical, or I'm sorry, in their religious dogma that even the child crying is it's not a sign of pain. It, it, it's 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 a joyous thing. Like, that's fucking sick, man. There is no way around that. Anybody who, who feels like that needs to be taken out back, tied up, and done whatever people feel is the best thing that needs to be done to them until they be put into that six-foot hole. Let's just put it that way. It's so funny because like, while you're talking, sometimes I'll pull up stuff, right? And, of course, someone says, hey, these people are misquoting the Talmud. They're misquoting it. And it says, in the example that you cite that a Jew may marry a three-year-old girl, it simply means that under the age of three, a marriage contract has no validity. The Talmud is discussing a technical legal point, not condoning abhorrent sexual activities. As the best of the Gentiles kill... They're saying that basically, oh, no, it's not like that. This is like legal. This isn't legal. Legal? Really? So God and legal. I didn't know church and state could be together, but in the Talmud they can. Yeah. So it's anti-Semitic to have these conversations. This is like, this is like fucking slaves reading in the barnyard. It's like you're not allowed to read. How dare you? If you, you, know, you want to hide something from black people, they say put it in a book. Good thing we you know. They're, 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 the books that, that speak out against the the so-called Jews, the, the Zionists, the small hats, and anybody who doesn't know who small hats are, um, the, the, the small hats are the, the white so-called Jews, right? The, those are the ones who wear the yarmulkes on top of their heads. Those are the ones who you see and all of your major movies, those are your Adam Sandlers and everybody he, who he has on all of his movies. Those are your small hats, right? And when you read this book that Sister Cindy is talking about, the Talmud, you see that it is their religious doctrine to see only fellow Zionists as their brothers and sisters. 
everyone else are goy, goyim, Gentiles, by their own biblical law, they can lie to you. That is their teaching, to lie to you. So all of those people who be out here talking about, nah, I, I, know some, I know some good Jews, I know some good Jews. How do you know that person is good? How do you not know that person is not practicing their way of life given to them in their scripture? You don't know that. You just don't. So you rather just sit here and tell people who, who think this way that something's wrong with you because some of these folk are good. Last I checked, um, I think Bernie Sanders is a goddamn, um, is affiliated with small heads, right? And Bernie Sanders for years is on that. I marched with, uh, with, 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 um, Dr. King. I, I, I was doing the civil rights. Okay. But where the hell are you? Where, where, where are you now still to this day? Whereas our brothers and sisters who's tried, who, who stood up to fight during the black power era and things of that nature, imprisoned, murdered, Asada Shakur, you know, living her life in, in, in exile. Well, not in exile. She lived, she living her life <laughs> to get the hell away from these damn crackers who wanted, who wanted, who wanted to lock her up for the rest of her life. You know, they tell uh, they tell black people the only way that you can be black is the way that we tell you how to be black. So here's our movies to show you how to be a black person. Here's the music that you need to listen to to tell you how to be a black person. Oh, all of those positive uh, people, yeah, you don't want to be like them because look what it leads to. You're going to live the rest of your life behind bars or you're going to die. And it's like, yo... But if you go run in the drug game and you get caught up, what's going to happen to you? The same exact thing. You're either going to die or you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. And it's, it's asinine that, that we have to say that to people. Like, it's just <laughs> we're not comparing apples to oranges. We're telling you they're all damn apples. You talking about, you talking about pedophilia and all that shit? You ain't even talk about the motherfucking circumcision they do with their mouth. Now, you know they was giving them babies herpes, right? Up there, up, up there, up there in New York, right? I promise just, just you. a few years ago. And, and as, as of uh, 2019, there was an article about the fact that these babies, right... Uh, the babies were hospitalized due there is no cure for herpes. Uh, the child was placed in a 14-day course of aquilever, I guess, a treatment for the outbreak. Um, and basically, well, 3.7 billion people worldwide are infected with the virus, herpes virus. Uh, herpes is particularly dangerous in newborns as their immune system has not fully developed. According to the New York Post, there has been 24 reported cases of infants with herpes linked to circumcisions by mouth, two deaths and two cases of brain damage. After herpes reporting became mandatory, because now they made it mandatory by 20, 2006, they found 164 more confirmed cases of herpes, 12% which are linked to oral contact during circumcision. Why all linked back to the all linked back to the same rabbi. That part. Nobody, the nobody same. says that this is a sickness. 
you're gonna let this man put his mouth on your baby. There's, there's no, I, I understand. Oh, it's culture. I don't even know if it's culture. Why is a man biting the foreskin, biting like a vampire, <laughs> like a rat, like a monster? Okay, like Godzilla, just bleh, and just ripping off the skin. Do you know how hard it is to? Have you been able to bite the flesh off your your body? Do you know how much hate it Damn. probably takes to rip flesh f- from someone's body? Do you know how hungry you have to be? You know how depraved of in the mind you have to be to even want to do that, not only to a person, but let alone a baby. Like you, you already, you, you, you're not a human. You're, you're not a, you're not a, a living being. You're already a demonic person to even, to even stomach the idea to be able to even do that. New York hit, New York has hit them with a fine. And if they find out that you're doing the oral circumcision, you get fined $2,000. Now, now, that's after the baby's been brain dead. I ain't even trying to be funny or not like that. I, I th- children are innocent, right? To me, children mm-hmm. are innocent, right? And so, mm-hmm. whether these are Jewish babies, this is still sick. This is sick at a level of like, how do you find somebody $2,000? Now, this child, Ashbahala, Bartholomew now has brain damage because the rabbi wants to put his mouth over the penis and rip off the flesh <sighs> brother do you even want to do rapid fire <laughs> hey we 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 do we do whatever sis we do whatever if you want to say you want to save this for another one or if you want to keep going we can keep going i know again it was only supposed to be an hour but here we are at the, uh, at second at the hour, hour right right at the second <laughs> hour you know what we do have more like uh stuff like that but i'm thinking you know well, let's do the because i kind of want to get in your mind a little bit because we're already there okay. so we're gonna play this thing we call dun da da dun Rapid Fire, that was my applause for you. Rapid Fire, you're listening to The Hour. This is Cindy Ashby. Sign up for otwtube.com. Uncensored free speech platform. Come on. Anyway, you're listening to onthewakeofradio.com. Replays on SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all that shit. Whatever. Google, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And also onthewakeofradio.com. We're going to play Rapid Fire. You ready? I'm ready. TV or music? Uh, music. Meat or vegetables? Vegetable. Holidays or birthdays? Birthday. Dine out or cook in? Cook in. You got a favorite book? Uh, Make Me Wanna Holler by Nathan McCall. Favorite movie? No, I don't. That's cool. You got a favorite documentary? Hmm. Um, Feminization of the of the black male by Irritated Genie. Superpowers you wish you had. Flight. If you had to come back to this place, would you be a tree, mountain, volcano, or animal? Hmm. A volcano only because I, I I have an attitude like a volcano that when it finally erupts 
you you don't want to be around it. <laughs> you got a favorite color? Black. Favorite hobby? Uh, that's the spending time with family time is a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever you want. It. This is your world. Anything could be. Well, that's my favorite hobby. What? Is your favorite show as a child? Do you remember? Mm. Well, I grew up when anime just started popping off, so I guess I'd have to say uh, Dragon Ball Z. What's the biggest accomplishments you've made in your life or any collaborations you've done? That's tough to say because I... I always look at all of the things I've done, and I feel like I've never done, I've never done it enough. Um, but I, but when I tell my accomplishments to people, they're, they're like, "You should stand firm with those things, um, and that you should be proud of them." Um, so I, I guess um, not not being any any one of the statistics that. Uh, white America has used to label black people. I've, I've beaten every last one of the statistics ever used. That's my biggest accomplishment. Mm. Beach or pool? Say that again? Beach or pool? Pool. <laughs> Action or comedy? Action. Shower or bath? Shower. Love or money? You say love or money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> love. Love or respect? Love. Reading or watching TV? Reading. Sunrise or moonlight? Moonlight. Friendship forever or a love of your life short-lived? Mmm. Friends forever. A pet peeve you may have. Uh, so many. <laughs> um, ignorant. A fear that's you. Oh, that's your deepest ignorance. Yes, uh, um, ignorance. <laughs> um, that others display. Uh, like the refusal to, to again to learn the truth. Right. A fear you you could vanquish from humanity. Say that again. A fear you could vanquish from humanity, like a fear you could get rid of. The fear uh, of going against. The construct of racism, white supremacy, and um, Zionist uh, doctrine. Mm. You step into a time portal. What year would it be? Would you save anyone or change anything or just be an observer? That's a tough one. Um, 
I don't think I would even be alive if history has not played out the way that it has. So whatever era I would go back to, I know I would just observe. But as for what time frame I would want to go to, um, and it's, it's it's so many. Um, I, I guess it would have it would have to be when the slave ships first arrived on the coast of Africa. I was thinking about you screaming, get away from there. <laughs> Don't go with them. They mean us no good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, three people you wish you could meet and pick their brains. Now, these people could be alive. They could be made up. They could be. They could have passed. Three people you wish you could pick their brains. King King Menelik of Ethiopia I would love to pick his brain to see why did he turn his back on the African um, nation when the slave ships came Um, I would definitely want to pick his brain to, to, to know why um Martin Luther King. I want to pick his brain to, 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 to know, like, why did you let Bayard Rustin dissuade you from standing up for your people using protective means, you know, and going along with the, 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 the toxic doctrine of nonviolence? Um, and the third person would be it would have to be my great great probably great 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 grandmother because I don't have that connection with that person, so I would love to see where my lineage starts at. Um, I had my great-grandmother in my life. Um, She died when I was 12, but I would like to to meet the matriarch of this entire line, you know? Just know where I come from, the greatness that, that we have. Flowing through our breath, uh, through our through our bloodstream. Now that's beautiful. You're going on a road trip. You only get to take three people with you. Who are the three people? Dang, <laughs> I, it's perfect. I only got three other people: my wife, my son, and my daughter. <laughs> well, that was nice and simple. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what would you tell yourself as a teen or a little boy if you were to time travel back to yourself? Don't ever let anyone make you feel like something's wrong with you because you're different in the way that you think, in the way that you operate, in the way that you come to conclusions. Don't ever let anyone beat you down for that. Stay on, stay on the path because when you get older, 
you're, you're, you'll only be that much more greater. Now, what would you like to tell the time travelers in the future when they hear this? What do you want to tell them? The same thing I would I would tell myself: Don't be afraid. The, the, this this construct, this 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 falsehood that this society has created to say who's better than who and what is right and what's wrong is only a system of fear that has been created to keep to keep you in check. Rise above that. Don't let anyone use any kind of rhetoric to keep you down. There's there's no humanity in that. If if someone is using fear to keep you in control, then I'm sorry, to keep you under control, then there's nothing humane about that, and you need to fight back against that. The sooner you fight back against that, the sooner you actually start living your life. Now, what do you what do you desire for your life and your legacy? Speak it into existence. <sighs> what I desire for my life and the legacy to, to be able to leave down is a symbolism of always, always just trying to think of the, of the best way to say this, and maybe I should just keep it simplistic. Um, to keep moving forward, don't let um, don't let anyone uh, again um, try to tell you that you're doing something the wrong way because you're not doing it the the quote unquote uh, societal norm. Stand stand up, you know. Be a man, be a woman, and do what you know is right. To hell with what society says what's right. If you feel in your heart you know something isn't right, then you need to you need to stand up against that. Um, too many people walk around brainwashed because they do fall in line, even when they know things are not right. Um, don't ever don't don't ever give up. Just just stay stay that path. And just know that when you get to the fork in the road, the path that has been paved for you is the path that you should travel. And if I if I can, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to make sure it's a paved road for you and that it's safe. And that when you get to where you want to go, you will be greeted by others with your same mindset. And this this is the last but not the least this is your great, this is your children's children listening. This is your children's children's children listening. Because this goes on forever after you've left, but you never really do, right? What do you want them to know about you? What do you, they should know about their granddaddy, their great, great granddaddy. What do you want them to tell them about you? 
and the message you want to tell them? No matter what you might hear about your grandpappy, just know this one thing. He's a funny, life-loving, crazy guy that got this idea in his mind that living your life to see others of your own race succeed is a life goal worth living towards because someone has to take up the fight to see people like you rise above the dregs of life that we have been subjugated to. If you look around and you see that black people are still living in ghettos, still dealing with drug addictions, homosexuality, and if it's worse in your time than what it was in my time, then either I didn't succeed or maybe your parent didn't succeed, but that does not give you the right to not pick up that torch. Continue to move forward no matter what machinations that the enemy may use to destroy you or deter you never fall victim to it never give up always stay true to yourself and yourself is who you choose to be not who these people tell you to be god damn you got a full standing ovation yeah that was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for playing Rapid Fire. Tell them who you are, where to find you. Again, um, Black Magus, B-L-K-M-A-G-U-S. You can find me on, on the Wake Up Radio, on Instagram, on Twitch, and uh, kind of like on uh, on Twitter under uh, King Black Magus. We're going to have to do a part three. <laughs> we didn't make it through all of it, but I just wanted to get rapid fire in there, right? And so that was a very last touching point. Any last uh, before we do, you know, we're gonna come back and do this again. Whatever day works for you. Um, um, God, this is this this interview. You're just like you're an amazing black man, and you need to know that. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't think brothers hear how often how amazing they are. Like, you're opening your heart. You're opening your head. And you're just, like, giving, giving the knowledge to us, right? So some child will hear this. Some man, some woman will hear this. And they're able to kind of just identify with what you're saying. And I think that's what's so beautiful about doing radio. Fuck all that podcast shit, right? What's so beautiful about radio is that this is in the ethers forever, ever. Ever, 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 ever. <laughs> and so, any last words until we come back again and do another uh, a third interview? Sis, I just, I have to thank you for giving me this opportunity, uh, of course. Um, because, as I was saying, you know, just thinking this way and being this way for a long time throughout my life, I've always been beaten down and told I was crazy and things of that nature. Um, even well into my adulthood when coming into um, 
more knowledge of self on the straight black pride and um, irritated genie. Um, I felt like I could never talk like this publicly or anything like that because it's crazy talk. Nobody wants to nobody wants to hear it. But as I um, open up more to people and as as I've met people who have heard me speaking on uh, the Straight Black Pride Network, um, various um, shows that they used to do, you know, I've found that, you know, just me opening up and sharing my own life story, my own experiences helps people heal, helps bring them together, helps them to know that they're not alone in this because it, it, it's, it's tough feeling like you're stuck on an island with nobody else there with you. But all you got to do is just make it, make, make it to the other side of the island and you'll find that there's probably a, a whole group of people who's been there with you the whole time. You, know, you might find it's not even an island. <laughs> we're, we're, we're here. We're there. We're everywhere. But, you know, you got you to gotta take that veil off, you know, you got to be able to see the world for what it is and you'll actually start finding the people who you want to align with as I have, you'll, you'll, you'll find them. You'll find us. We're, we're all over. We just don't know it. No, brother, like, you know, you taught me something today. Did you know that you always teach me something, but you know, what you taught me, you taught me something about when I was talking about shelter, like we're sheltering our kids. You actually broke that down eloquently and i'm able to kind of see it differently yeah i'm able to see you know looking through one lens and the difference between sheltering and protecting and at the end of the day we do need to protect our babies so i thank you definitely i thank you that's what that's what it means to be a black woman and a black man right it's just black magic yes. everywhere i promise you <laughs> <laughs> I thank you. I thank you. This is the hour with Cindy Ashby. I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, this will be up soon, so you guys know what to tune in. And um, we're gonna do this again. We got to do a part three. And I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. All right, sis. Thank you. On the wake up. Just get your body to move. Won't stop till we shake the room, yeah. Just get your body to move. Why do I need to? Why do I need to? Then on the wake up play. Won't stop till they hear what we say, yeah. Then on the wake up play. Why do I need to? How to sign up for OTW2. Type in OTW2 in your browser. It will bring up the home page. Then you click the little man with the plus sign to open up an account. Use your best email, select a username, and then enter a good secure password. Now you're at the home page, click the key to log in to your account using your password with your username. Now search in the search bar 
for OTW2, which is the page we're going to subscribe to. Click subscribe, click add as friend, as well as click where the videos are. Click on a video to view, like that video, as well as comment and your exercise is done. Thank you for your support. Attention, African-Americans. Our healthy and secure position in America is not going to come just because we've been here and have contributed to this country for several centuries. It is not going to come by just waiting for America to do the right thing. The culture of America is grounded in the evil driving force called the survival of the fittest. This concept justified racism and exploitation. This concept is still strong and is a major player in many of America's policies today. In ignorance, many of us have tagged along with this man-made cancer. But the Bible says, Envy not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. Therefore, we must turn more of our energies to the appreciation and the development of our own selves instead of begging those who pushed us down to extend their hands to pull us up. Look to the strength that God has created in you. We must stand up, assess the damage, put on the armor of self-appreciation, the sword of a healthy mindset, and fight. We are in a war in a serious mindset battle. A good starting step would be reading the book titled They Stole It But You Must Return It by Richard Williams. This book looks at the slavery experiences in America and how these experiences still affect African Americans and white Americans today. It is an easy and quick read. The book offers insights. It also offers methods and ways for the black family to become strong and healthy. And because of the many requests and the continuing need, this bestseller has been reprinted. But also it is available now on your iPhone, iPad, or computer. Now you can easily download the book from Amazon.com for only $3.99. Every American should read this book. It is a primer. To think unity, we must start with the same information. Get and read this book now. It is time for a mindset revolution.
Kids Shop Yet organization programs are finally here. Visit ksyet.org to register. We provide you with the mindset change information as an introduction to doing business in America. Our beginner's instructional services manual introduces the basic fundamentals to knowledge and understanding to begin your ladder to success. Call us at 725-200-8342. That's 725-200-8342 for more info. Kids Shop Yet class sign-up for the high school, young adult, and grown folks programs can be found at our website, ksyet.org. That's ksyet.org. If you don't decide your future, someone else will. Pass it on.